Hello, everyone. Surprise! <laughs> uh, so I know we have a few new people and some people that actually are visiting maybe for the first time today. So I wanted to introduce myself. My name's Ayla Harper, like Pastor Andrew said. My pastor will be back next week. So if you want to hear him, please come back next week. Um, but so I got born again in Richmond, Indiana, in a revival meeting that our pastor, Pastor Dick, had. And it's kind of hard to tell right now, but before I got saved again, I was a very, very broken person. Um, I had been abused when I was a kid, and then because of some things that I dealt with, um, some things that my parents dealt with, I really had a hard time feeling like I was loved. And so I was very broken just to tell you kind of where I was when I was a kid like I remember being in second grade which is very small second grade and telling my parents I don't want to live anymore and it wasn't something that I said in the moment it was something that consumed my thoughts I didn't want to be alive anymore I remember in third grade uh, I had been in church when I was in foster care I was in foster care for like a year but um because of that, I knew a little bit about God, but I didn't know if he was real or not. And in third grade, I, would, I remember staying up multiple nights, not being able to sleep and saying, Lord, if you're real, please don't make me live anymore because I was so miserable. <laughs> it consumed my thoughts that I wasn't lovable, that I didn't want to be alive. And so that's very different from the person that you see today. <laughs> but... Um, I do want to say, I wanted to point out that I eventually did, before I got saved, I got to a point in my life where I could be okay as long as I stayed busy, as long as I had something to do. And I wanted to point that out because I want to tell you that you don't have to live that way. If you have to stay busy to be happy, there's freedom for you available today. So I wanted to make sure that I said that uh, because the Lord did it for me and he'll do it for you. Um, so if you're wondering, I got saved in 2012, and it's been awesome ever since. Um, I was going to joke and say, that's all I want to say, but <laughs> uh, I am, uh, I don't really talk super long. I don't really like to ramble on that much. Uh, I told, I said, uh, the only time I seem to always have something to say is when Tyler's watching a movie. I always have something to say when Tyler's watching a movie. <laughs> But, <laughs> but um, so pretty much for a while now, it's, uh, the Lord has been dealing with me about something. And especially it seems like the last few months, it's all kind of started to come together. And it's been really awesome. But I want to talk to you about how there's a difference between being in hope for something and being in faith for something. Um, we all know that the Bible makes a lot of promises. It promises healing to us. It promises that everything is going to work out together for our good. It promises that those who trust in the Lord will not lack any good thing. But I'm sure we can all think of people that believe in God that aren't living those promises. And some of us, some of them are not living any of them. Some of us are missing maybe a couple. <laughs> but I want to talk to you about why, because I believe a big reason is because we don't realize that we're just hoping for something. We're not really in faith for something. Um, so getting started on that, I heard a man named Lester Summerall, which if you've never listened to him or read a book by him, I highly recommend it. He's a big faith guy and he's funny. 
which I like, uh, but he said that another word for faith is trust. So if you say you have faith in something, you're basically saying you've tr you have trust in it. So for us, we're saying, I have faith in this. I believe God's going to do what he said he's going to do, um, which I thought was cool because a few years ago, for me, I was in a season where I didn't really know what was going on. You know, my mind was going crazy. It was like, you need to go back to Indiana. And I hadn't done anything that the Lord painted a picture in my heart, so I knew that wasn't right. So in an effort to kind of quiet my mind, I would say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. And one day, the Lord stopped me after I said that, and he said, Ayla, do you even know what it is that you're saying? And I was like, well, I guess since you're asking, no, I don't. <laughs> uh, Pastor Zig says if the Lord asks you a question, he's not asking you really for the answer. He's about to teach you something. God knows he doesn't need you to tell him. <laughs> but so I ended up looking up the definition of trust. The definition of trust is to have the firm belief in someone's uh, reliability, truth, strength, and ability. And so now, instead of just saying, Lord, I trust you, I try to take a minute every now and then when I feel like maybe I forgot it and say, Lord, I have firm belief in your reliability. That means that I know you're going to come through for me every single time. Lord, I have firm belief in your truth. That means I know you're not a man that you should lie. Lord, I have firm belief in your ability. That means I know that you can do what you say you're going to do. Lord, I have firm belief in your, what I meant, strength. That means, um, that means you're bigger than any problem that I can face at any time. So sometimes it helps to really think about what you're actually saying. Um, that goes with everything. I look up random words all the time because sometimes it's such a common word we don't even really think about it. So that helped me. Um, the definition of hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. So what I got out of that is hope, while it is positive, it's uncertain and it leaves room for doubt. Hope looks to the natural for signs that it's right because hope doesn't want to be let down. And a funny example I thought of this is Tyler is my husband. He's a great man. I love him to death. And there's some things that I hope he's going to do that I want him to do. And there's some things that I know he's going to do that I want him to do. For instance, I, want him, I hope he's going to clean my car every week. But... <laughs> There's a good chance that's not going to happen, but I understand because if you don't know, he details cars and he wants to clean cars for money, not mine, just so I can be happy. <laughs> and usually he gives me money for iced coffee or something out of it, so I can't really complain that much. But if I say, Tyler, I want to get ice cream next week, I can count on that. We're going to get ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> So that's just a funny example of hope versus faith. Uh, so hope, like I said, is uncertain. It looks to circumstances, and we can all know, I'm sure we all know, that our circumstances regularly tell us something different 
than what the Bible says. But faith, on the other hand, already knows that it's done. Uh, you don't need reassurance if you believe it's already taken care of. Uh, every Oh, sorry, I already shared that. I skipped ahead. But um, I actually shared part of this message, not all of it, but I shared part of it at Healing Room, which if you've never been to Healing Room, you should totally come. Last Monday of every month, 7 o'clock, we have quite a few teachers, so we get a lot of different perspectives, so come. <laughs> but uh, while I was preparing for Healing Room a couple months ago, I kept thinking of this one Bible, uh, Bible story, and I didn't really know how it fit until I read it again because the Lord knows better than I do. And then I was like, oh, I see it now. So that's what I want us to read together. So if you guys can put Numbers 13 on the wall, and we'll read it together. I like the English Standard Version. It's easier. But uh, So the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to, oh wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. I forgot to do one thing. I forgot to uh, summarize what happened before this, so you know kind of where we're at. So before this, back in Exodus, the Israelites were set free from the Egyptians, and the Lord told Moses that he'd give them a land flowing with milk and honey, but he wasn't going with them, and Moses is basically like, please go with us. And so the Lord says, okay, I'll go with you. So to make a long story short, that's where the Ten Commandments come in. So like I said, I'm very short, sweet, to the point. So there you go. So <laughs> uh, so now, let's. can you go back to Numbers 13? One, sorry. So the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. So I want to point out in Exodus, he says, I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, in Numbers, he's telling them that land is this land right here. So now, uh, let's skip forward to verse 17. Moses sent them out to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up into the, whatever that place is called, and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. So I wanted to point out, if you remember what the Lord said, he said, go spy out the land that I'm giving you. Moses, on the other hand, he said, go see if it's possible that we can have this land. He started looking in the natural. Faith, as we know, doesn't look in the natural. Hope starts looking to see if it's even possible. So uh, that's what sticks out to me. Now let's skip to 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of whatever, at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And I really wish that they would have stopped there because that confirms what the Lord said, that this is a good land and it's flowing with milk and honey, 
And then they could have said, and it's the land the Lord's going to give us. But let's see what they said after that. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of, how do you say it? Anak. Anak there. <laughs> uh, the Amel Amalekites dwell in the land of the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. So, um, oh wait, keep going, sorry. But Caleb, everyone say, but Caleb. Quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. So that, those verses that we just read is a clear difference between hope looking in the natural to see if it's possible, and somebody who's only looking at the word, somebody who says, hey, it's, it doesn't matter. This is what the Lord said, so we got this. Um, I want to say faith looks, at God, faith looks at what God says and isn't swayed by what it sees. Pastor Zig always says the opposite of faith is sight. So if we're judging whether what God says is true by what we see, we're not in faith. So now let's go to verse uh, 30 to see what was the, oh, wait. Oh, I skipped ahead. Let's go to Numbers 14, please. <laughs> then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole con congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Uh, and they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. <laughs> Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, <laughs> who were among those who had spied out of the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Um, so let's stop there. So uh, like we said, they, Joshua and Caleb were looking at the word. Everyone else was discouraged. Even Moses was discouraged. Now let's go to 30, 14, 30, and see what happens at the end. Not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. So we see that the people that got distracted by what circumstances look like never made it to the promise. But Joshua and Caleb made it. You know why? Because they were focused on what the Lord said. It didn't matter to them what the circumstances looked like. It didn't matter to them what challenges they faced. They knew that the Lord would see to it because he said it. I want to point out even Moses, who is the one that heard the Lord say, this is the land I'm going to give you. He didn't even get to make it to the promise. He only got to see it from a distance. Um, 
So I want to say, how many times do we do that? We know what the Bible says, but we reason our way out of the promise. You know, God can say, I'm going to give you more than enough. And we can say, yeah, but my f- nobody in my family has more than enough. I've always had to struggle. We could, the Lord could say, hey, you don't have to be sick. And we could say, yeah, but I've been sick for a long time. Say things like that and reason our way out of the promise so we can't make it to the promise just like everyone else. But um, faith are, oh, wait, sorry. I'm getting, I keep skipping ahead and then having to go back. But <laughs> so something I realized recently is that, well, Pastor Zig says it has to be more than just head knowledge. You have to have a revelation of it in your spirit. And I realized recently that a reason why that's true is because if you only know it in your head, then your head can easily tell you something different. But if it's in your spirit, your head has a harder time arguing with that. Faith already knows it's done or that what you did was right. And a personal testimony I have of this is, like I said, I was born again in Richmond, Indiana. So if some of you are wondering why are you here, well, the Lord told me to come here. (laughs) And I came here with for no other reason. I had no family here. I didn't have a good job lined up. Nothing. Oh, the only reason why I came is because the Lord told me to. Um, Number one, reason why I didn't want to do it is because it sounds crazy. Like, you and I know that sounds crazy. Number two, I have three younger brothers who I'm very close to, and I never wanted to leave them. Number three, which is actually kind of funny, is when I was little and up until, like, even a teenager, I would have nightmares about tornadoes, so I never, ever (laughs) dreamed about moving to Oklahoma. (laughs) Like, out of 50 states, I would say Oklahoma would be, like, number 47 of the places I wanted to live. But now I love Oklahoma, and I pray against tornadoes, so that's pretty cool. Uh... So I knew I knew some people that came from revival, but I didn't know them very well. Like I said, I didn't have a good job lined up. I worked in Indiana. I worked at Kohl's and a skating rink, so I didn't even have a good job in Indiana where I could save a bunch of money and prepare. Um, I didn't have a house of my own that I could sell so I could save up a bunch of money from that. I had nothing in the natural going for me. (laughs) And another thing is that people already thought I was crazy because once I got saved, I was at church almost every single day because we were in revival, and it was awesome. But if I wasn't in church, I was talking about church. (laughs) I was reading my Bible. And to add to that, um, I asked every, almost every person I came into contact at the time, I was like, hey, do you have a short leg? (laughs) Because I had learned in revival that sometimes when people have problems with their back, their leg can look shorter or their arms can be shorter because just the way your spine and your hips are. So I'd be like, hey, do you, got, do you have a short leg? And, not, and if they said no, I wasn't just like, oh, okay, never mind. I'd be like, well, have you ever checked? Like, can I check to see if you have a short leg? Because I wanted, I wanted to pray for them because I knew that if I did, the Lord would heal them. So, and now... If you think about all that, now I'm talking about moving to Oklahoma. So looking back, I'm like, I could see why you thought I was crazy, (laughs) you know. Um, 
also, I didn't even know why I needed to come here. All I knew was that it wasn't something that I could just stop thinking about. And so I purposely went to people that I thought would be like, Ayla, here's why you shouldn't do it. And I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. And I wouldn't come, but it didn't matter who I talked to. It didn't matter who said I was crazy. I was like, I don't know, this just feels like something I should do. And so I ended up moving here in 2014, and I lived with David Hilbert and Joe, and it was a big-time blessing to me. Uh, it would have been a lot harder to come here if you guys didn't make that available. Well, you guys were the ones that started. <laughs> Amaris is not here, so. <laughs> yeah, she came after so I want you to think about this. I was 24, and I moved here because the Lord told me to with a job set up from Kohl's, and I moved 12 hours away from my family to live in a room with people that I didn't really know that well. And I couldn't even say, oh, I'm going to go here because the Lord's going to do this. All I could say was the Lord told me to move here. That's pretty crazy, right? Um, so I set up my job at Kohl's and saved as much money as I possibly could working. I ended up actually getting another part-time job. So I had three part-time jobs and I saved all my money from one of them. Still wasn't very much money, but I did what I could. And I remember once I decided, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. I wasn't scared at all until the day before I was supposed to move and I had all my clothes packed up and my brothers are like, dang, you're really moving? And I was like, yeah, I guess I am. And uh, so I, then that night, I remember it was hard for me to go to sleep because I was like, oh my gosh, what if I'm wrong? <laughs> like, that's going to be so embarrassing. <laughs> and so uh, all I could do was pray. And I prayed and I came away from prayer saying, Lord, I know that I didn't want to move. I know that I didn't come up with this on my own, that you told me to do this. So it's your responsibility to see that it's going to work out. So the next day, I packed everything up that I owned and put it in my Chevy Cobalt, which is really funny to me now to think that every single thing I owned fit in a little Chevy Cobalt. And I moved 12 hours away to come to Winter's Church. And, you know, I'd like to say as soon as I got here, it was like a big party and everybody was like, Ayla, I know you were right. But it wasn't like that. I came here and I still didn't know what I was going to do. For the first month, I couldn't even come to church because I couldn't get my work schedule set out because I was a new person. So every year on my time hop, it's like, hey, missed you at church. Like, hope you're going to come. Like, Pastor Zig and Pastor Annie probably thought I moved back and didn't tell anybody or something. But um, so it was actually a couple, I think two or three weeks after I moved here that I got a part-time job at the state filing, well, in a file room. And then, so that allowed me to have more money, which was awesome, because I was already, in that amount of time, I was already out of the money that I saved. So that tells you how much money I was earning. I wasn't earning very much at all. And so I was like, oh, now I have to pay rent. Like, <laughs> David Hilder going to have to kick me out. <laughs> yeah, I was never late. The Lord came through on time, every time. But, um so I got that job, and six months later, I got the job I have now. And what's cool about that is I'm still friends with one of the people that interviewed me, and she said that um, after I left the interview, she said, 
they, she doesn't have what we need because they wanted somebody that knew about abstracting, which most people don't know what abstracting is. Deals with land titles, that's all I'll say. So uh, I had no idea what that was, but she said, we really liked you, so we said, let's give you a chance. And another way of saying that is, I didn't qualify, but I had the favor of the Lord. So that was awesome. And I'm still there today. I, have, I get to do pretty much whatever I want. As long as I get my job done, my boss does not care. So that's awesome. Uh, and now, eventually, obviously, I'm up here with you today. I get to do things at outreach and things like that. So when I go home at first, people were like, Ella, when are you coming back? Like, what are you doing out there? Why are you following a man? Even my family would make jokes about things and stuff like that. But now, you know, I've, I've been here a long time. I've gotten to do a lot of things. And it's, it's evident when I go back now that the favor of the Lord is on me. Nobody asks me now when I'm coming back. They're like, you did the right thing. It's awesome. They're like, they're like, I've never seen you so happy. And I'm like, praise the Lord. So, and now, of course, I'm married to Tyler. And that will add a whole other thing. Now I have family here. So the Lord's really brought me such a far way, but it would have been so easy to get too scared back in 2014 and not come. So that is probably one of the biggest testimonies of faith that I have because I had no idea it was really step by step that the Lord told me what to do, and here I am today. Uh, I wanted to point out that faith causes you to act. If I was just hoping to move to Oklahoma, I would have been waiting for things to line up, and things would have never lined up. Uh, but faith caused me to act even though it didn't look right. Too many times we go into situations, we start calculating in the natural instead of just looking at the word. Uh, maybe he's asked you to sow more than you've ever sowed, and that can be financially, that can also be with your time. I've had to sow a lot of time, but what I figured out is that as I give myself, as I give the free time I have naturally to the Lord, he makes more time for me. There was a period of time where I had so many extra days off in the summer, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> but, I, but I would take that time and say, hey, pastor, what can I help you with? And it was just awesome. I, can, I could talk forever about everything the Lord's done for me, but I won't do that today. Uh, but something else that comes up in my heart when I think about faith is sometimes the Lord will tell us to do something and to expect some, a supernatural result. And instead of waiting for the supernatural to manifest, we go to working on it on ourselves. And a story that I always think about is when Jesus cursed the fig tree and it withered from the roots. Everyone knows that story. Some of us, the Lord would have been like, hey, Nakia, go first, go curse that fig tree. And instead of waiting for it to happen, we'd go get an axe and chop it down. <laughs> but that's not the testimony. The testimony isn't that you've chopped down a tree because the Lord cursed it. The, the testimony is it dried up from the roots after you said it. So I want to remind you that you know, Pastor Zig talks about how we're determined a lot, and we are. We're a bunch of determined people, but the testimony comes from it happening supernaturally. Um, like I said earlier, Tyler is, uh, he details cars, and one time we were talking, and he said um, he didn't want to be a big earner. He wanted to be a big receiver, and I thought that was so cool because 
There's a difference in being a big receiver and being a big earner. If you're a big earner, you have to work all the time. We like to say, we've been saying this a lot, the Lord maketh rich and he has no sorrow. <laughs> and something we hear Pastor Dick declare over a lot of people is half the work, double the pay. And that's, that's possible. Um, I want to say another reason I didn't want to move is I was worried about my family and how they'd get to know Jesus if, Jesus if I wasn't there. My, I don't have a church-going family. I don't have, they don't even have really friends that go to church. Like, so I was really worried about that. And I do have a great testimony to tell in that is Tyler and I just went to Indiana last week or the week before week before and my dad went to church with us for the first time and uh he's been talking to me about Jesus every now and then and um he said I only know two people in my whole life that are happy which is actually really sad when you think about it like if you think about everyone you know in your life and think about only knowing two people that are happy that's a sad place to be but that's the place that a lot of people in the world are today um, but he said, the only thing that you, that you and this other person have in common is you believe in Jesus. And that's an awesome testimony to what the Lord's doing, what my family's seeing in me and Tyler now that he gets to go, is they're seeing that there's hope, which is what we want them to see, that, um, you don't have to be sad all the time. <laughs> um, a quick side note I want to say based off of that is, do you know that the real reason the devil doesn't want you to receive all the Lord has for you because I used to think, oh, he just doesn't want me to be blessed. I used to think it was all about me. But the real reason is because the more blessed you are, the more you could say, look what the Lord did for me, the more people want to hear you talk about the Lord and the more likely they are to, to have a life change just like you. Um, I heard... E.W. Kenyon say this about healing, but it can apply to everything. We can know something is not the will of God because we know it's not in heaven. So if it's not in heaven, we don't have to have it. So I want you to think about that. Like, can you even imagine people having allergies in heaven? No. <laughs> can you imagine people having just a little bit of anxiety in heaven? No. Can you imagine people having seasonal depression in heaven? No. You don't have to have that. So I want to tell you that. Have to see it. Praise the Lord. Um, if you're having a hard time moving from hope to faith, another way I thought of saying it is if you're having a hard time from knowing only when it seems like it's true to knowing that you know, you need to change what you're feeding your mind. What are you going to first? Are you going to the Word? Are you going to Google? Are you going to Facebook? Some of us ask an awful lot of questions on Facebook that we probably should ask the Lord about. <laughs> um, but I learned something about faith recently, and it was pretty cool. So uh, before Tyler and I got married, I decided I'm going to be a jogger, and it's going to be awesome. And then uh, there was one morning, it, was, it had rained a little bit earlier. They're doing construction at my apartment complex, and they had gravel in a certain area, so I went to run over it, and I kind of tripped. But, but like I said, I used to work at the skating rink, so I have really good balance, so I was able to pull myself back up. But, uh, <laughs> but um, I had twisted my ankle, and I was worried about that. 
So I said, Lord, I thank you that my ankle's healed. And, you know, by the time I got back to my apartment complex, my ankle was fine. But something that I didn't think about was as I did that nice pulling up thing I did, I evidently pulled something on my side. And it hurt really bad, like, for a long, long time, months of it hurting. Tyler and I, we've almost been married six months, and this was, like, still hurting a month ago. And, uh, like, I had to take breaks between putting on my shoes sometimes. Tyler had to put my shoe on for me, and he was like, I think you might need to go to the doctor because you're really hurt. And I was like, I don't want to go to the doctor. So we came to church. I had Miss Rhonda pray for me. And if you ever need prayer, if you're ever feeling really low, Miss Rhonda is a great person to pray for you. She had me going feeling like from down here to up here, and I was like, yes, this is awesome. So it was awesome. It was awesome prayer. And then I went away, and a week later, my rib's still hurting. And I'm like, I believe the Lord. I know I did, but it's still hurting. And then that day, Pastor Zig was calling people out for knees and backs, all kinds of stuff. And I was, I was thinking, you know what, I'm just going to get in line, and I'm going to get more prayer because my rib's still hurting. And when I started to walk up, the Lord stopped me, and he was like, Ayla, didn't you say last week that you agreed that it was done? Didn't you say you were healed? And I was like, oh, yeah, I did. So that told me right there, I don't need more prayer. We know from Pastor Zig's series about prayer that we pray until we know that it's done. And once we know it's done, all you have to do is praise him for it. It doesn't matter whether it manifests right away or not. It's done. And so that's what I did. I just stood there and I praised the Lord that my rib was healed. And I didn't realize until about two weeks later that sometime in those two weeks it stopped hurting. And it hasn't hurt since, except for the other day I coughed and it felt like it tried to come back. But I was like, praise God, I'm healed, and it went away. So I want to tell you that testimony that once you believe it's done, it's done. That's faith. If you're in hope, if I was in hope, I could have kept getting prayer for the rest of my life about my rib. And it maybe would have never manifested. But faith says it's done. Um, so that was a easy victory for me, but just because you get a victory in one area over one thing doesn't mean you automatically have it in every area on everything that you face. So just being really open with you guys is you guys know Tyler, and I think most of you know Tyler and I want to have a baby. And in the natural, I was really having a hard time with it because it seemed like my body wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. Not like, <laughs> and I never had a problem with it before, but it was like, now that I want to have a baby, it's, having, it's not working. So I was very discouraged, and it was almost like every day I was up and down, up and down, up and down, every day. Every day, Tyler had to talk, <laughs> Tyler <laughs> Tyler really had to talk me down sometimes because I would just start crying out of nowhere. And he's like, why are you crying? And I'm like, I just want to have a baby. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, that was really hard for me. And uh, until about a week ago, the Lord gave me a word through Pastor Annie and also in Shawnee. Lainey and Shawnee told me we're having twins. So we'll see about that. But uh, <laughs> Pastor Annie prayed for me, 
and she said, Malachi 3.11 is your word. And so I'll just say it just for, just for me. So he said, he will rebuke the devourer for my sake, and he will not destroy the fruits of my soil, and my vine will not cast its fruit before its time. And ever since then, it was settled in me. And I have no proof in the natural that my body's doing what it's supposed to do now, but in my spirit, it's settled. And it doesn't matter if it's a year from now, it's settled, and I know that my body is working <laughs> the way that it's supposed to work. So, um, I can tell you that I moved from hope to faith when it comes to that, because before, when it would come up into my mind, it was exhausting. It was like, I was like what the Bible says about a double-minded man, that I was tossed to and fro. But now, when it comes up, to my, up in my mind, like, I know I'm about to cry right now, but it's not because I'm worried. Because what comes out of my spirit now is, Lord, you're not a man that you should lie. Lord, you watch over your word to perform it. Your word does not return void, but it does what it was set out to do. You did it for Sarah in the Bible. You did it for Hilda at Winter's Church. You did it for Shelby at Winter's Church. You did it for Jess at Winter's Church. And I know that means you can do it for me. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it for Jasmine. You can do it for whoever else in here wants a baby. He can do it for you. <laughs> I was going to say Pastor Annie, but I decided not to. So if you've ever been double-minded about something, you know how exhausting it can be. Like I said, it's an emotional roller coaster. One minute you're up, one minute you're down. And that comes in hope and not in faith because hope, you're looking at the natural. Faith, you're only looking at what the word says. So uh, I wanted to make sure I say is when you're thinking about what you're believing for, what is it that comes out of you? Do you start thinking about the natural, or do you start thinking about what the word says? Um, don't watch symptoms or circumstances. Watch the word. It never changes. If you're not in that place yet, don't beat yourself up over it. Doubts um, by getting to know the Father. And that's something I've really come to realize in this last season of my life is that the more I spend time in his presence and get lost in it, the more I realize that, well, the more he shows me how much he loves me and he loves everyone, and that gets rid of all the room I have for doubt. Uh, like, the more, it doesn't make sense in the natural, but the more you know he loves you, the more you know he's going to come through for you on every need. Uh, one time I heard Creflo Dollar talking about a surgery that he had to have on his throat. And he said he was believing the Lord to not have the surgery. But he never heard about the surgery or even what he had to have surgery on. So he spent a lot of time looking it up and um, looking up the surgery and all kinds of stuff. And then he ends up going to the hospital and having the surgery. And afterwards he says, Lord, I know I know how to believe you. I know I know how to receive from you. Why did I have to have this surgery? And the Lord said, you spent more time becoming an expert on the problem than you did on the solution. Um, so going back to the Israelites, 
You know, if they had focused on what the Lord said, that he was going to give them a good land, they would have all made it to the promise. But they didn't because they were focused on the problem. Um, I heard Pastor Kendall, which was my pastor in Richmond while I lived there, uh, he one time was talking about how important our thoughts are. And I think he used a great illustration. I use it every now and then. Pastor Zig said one day I won't have to give him credit. <laughs> but as for now, I do. But he talked about to picture your thoughts like a train, because you know how people say a train of thought. So he said, picture your thoughts being like a train. And he said, you can't get on a train to angry town and be surprised when you end up at angry town. So I kind of changed it a little bit. And I said, uh, check the ticket of where you're going. You know, are you going to the promise? Are you going to the problem? Because what you're spending your time focusing on is where you're going to end up. Um, I want to say, if it hasn't manifested yet, you don't need more prayer. As long as you've got, as long as you've prayed to the point where you know that you know, then you don't need more prayer. You need more renewing of your mind. You need to better position yourself to receive. If you believe it's done, then it's done, regardless of any symptoms or bad reports. Uh, I remember a testimony I heard Pastor Zig tell about a man, I don't remember his name, but he was blind, and he got a prayer for healing, and he went away, and in the natural, he was still blind, but he was still declaring what the Lord said over him. He said, the Lord heal me of blindness, and because that sounds pretty crazy to say when you're still blind in the natural People were making fun of him, and they were going up to him like, hey, did the Lord heal you of blindness? And I want you to think about being in this man's position. You cannot see. And the Lord, people are saying, hey, did the Lord heal you? Like a lot of us would be like, well, I'm believing he will. <laughs> or, well, I'm still battling with it. But this man, like Pastor Zig talked about, he had a choice to be ashamed or not. And he said, yeah, the Lord did heal me. And then right after he said that, his eyes, he could see. And that's because he got to the point where he believed it, whether it looked like it or not. I was going to say a funny thing and be like, uh, he knew the Lord was working whether he could see it or not. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, he said yes. And right after he said yes, even though it didn't look like it, his healing manifested. If you're in hope, you won't know it's finished or done until it manifests and you won't act. Faith, know it, faith knows it's finished because the word says it is. Hope is always in the future, so it never comes. Faith is now. Faith isn't magic. Faith is an action. Faith is a radical lifestyle. I can still hear Pastor Ziggy saying during revival enrichment that there's a very thin line between faith and crazy. <laughs> It doesn't make logical sense, but faith isn't nervous or frustrated. If it's already done, there's nothing to be worried about. If you're not certain, pray more and renew your mind more. Um, Tyler and I went to premarital counseling. Doesn't mean there's any problem. We had some people say when we told them we were going to counseling, they're like, you're already having problems? And we're like, no, you're supposed to do it <laughs> to figure some things out before you get married. Um, but we talked to Pastor Ziggy and Pastor Annie about how to do ministry as a family because 
I didn't really want to, I don't want to stay at home. <laughs> I will if that's what the Lord tells me, but I didn't want to stay at home. And uh, I just had some questions about that. And Pastor Zig said, Ayla, the reason you're not sure is because you haven't heard the Lord on that. And so I want to tell you, in order to be in faith about something, you have to find out what the Lord has to say about it first. Uh, when it comes to me and Tyler believing for a baby, it had to go from something that I knew that the Bible says, because you can know what the Bible says and not be in faith over it. So it had to be, it had to go from something that I knew the Bible said to something that I knew the Lord said with me in mind. Um, and that's how faith happens. Uh, I wanted to mention the story I heard from Lester Summerall, because like I said earlier, he was a faith man. He, I heard him say that um, everything he learned about faith, he had to learn from prayer, from his own life. He said Kenneth Hagin was still a little baby. He didn't have a Kenneth Hagin to teach him. So that tells you what time period he was in. But he has some really crazy stories about traveling and preaching. And uh, he told a story about being in a place, knowing he needed to go to the next place and not having enough money to go. And he was in a room, and he was like, Lord, you're the one who called me to preach. You're the one who told me to travel. He was like, I'm staying in this room until you bring me a train ticket. And he was like, I'll die here if I have to. But I know that you're the one who called me, so I know you're going to see to it. And he made sure he pointed out in that story that after he prayed and he knew the Lord would see to it, he went and he got dressed and he packed his bags, and he was ready because he was counting on the Lord coming through for him. And so what ended up happening was a man showed up at the door and was like, hey, I don't know why I'm here because I know you have a lot of money. So that goes to show you why you shouldn't assume. But uh, so he said, I don't know why, but the Lord told me I need to give you this train ticket. And Lester Summerall was like, praise the Lord. But he pointed out that if he wouldn't have got ready, he still would have missed the train because the train was leaving right after that, so um, so after you pray and you know it's ready, be ready for it to manifest. Another thing to remember is that our confession imprisons us or sets us free. A strong confession with the corresponding action on the word brings God on the scene. Holding fast to your confession when senses contradict shows that you're established on the word. Um, I believe E.W. and Kenyon said this as well. He said, if you're not confessing the word, you have a Satan-inspired confession, which when I first read that, it was kind of shocking because you want to think there's some kind of middle ground. But if you're not confessing what God says, then what, what are you confessing? Um, death and life is in the power of the tongue. Another thing that it says about our confession is our confession is of our redemption from Satan's dominion and, and that he no longer rules us with condemnation nor fear of disease. We hold fast to this confession because our confession is of Satan's defeat. So when you're confessing the word, you're also reminding Satan and yourself that he's eternally defeated. And I like that phrase eternally defeated because it means he's not just defeated right now. He's not just defeated tomorrow, and the rest is undecided. He's defeated forever. Um, the, the book I had read by E.W. Kenyon also pointed out something cool I want to say. Um, 
I used to think when people said you were being carnal, it was basically like a Christian way of cussing you out. Because <laughs> it just sounds really negative. But that book pointed out that uh, being carnal is simply being governed by your senses instead of the word. Which, before we all got saved, that's all we knew. So that's a good way of kind of gauging where you're at in a situation. Are you reacting to what we see, what our body is telling us, or are you reacting on what the word says about us? I want to say, um, are we acting like that blind man who, when he was asked, he looked at the word? Or are we acting like the children of Israel who never made it to the promise? Uh, the last thing I wanted to share was that on a Friday, Tyler and I were at the time going to the hospital every Friday. Now we're going every other going to be awesome, but um, I was there by myself. Tyler had to work late, and I was praying about how to get to the next level because we're believing instant manifestations of healing that we're going to take people out of there, and it's going to be awesome, but in the natural, we haven't seen that yet. We have gotten testimonies about healing, but we haven't seen anything instant, um, so I was praying about that, and what came up out of my spirit was... Um, God took Peter, who before he knew Jesus was just a fisherman, um, and he was the one who, hold on, he was the one who denied Christ three times, but God revealed himself to Peter in such a way that even his shadow caused people to be healed. He took Paul, who before he knew Jesus was the Pharisee of Pharisees and martyred Christians, and he revealed himself in such a way to him that he looked at a man that had been crippled since birth and told him in a loud voice, and I always think it's cool you pointed out a loud voice because some of us would have been trying to be like, hey, get up, <laughs> to not draw attention to ourselves. But he said in a loud voice uh, to stand up on your feet, and the man sprang up and began walking. And what the Lord was telling me with those stories, if he can do it with them, he can do it in us. And that's what's awesome about as you read the Bible and apply faith to the Bible, it goes from just stories that we read and we tell our kids and things like that. It goes from just stories of things that happened a long time ago to things that can happen in us today. And I know, like, I'm believing for all of us. You know, I'm imagining greeting at the back, and as people who are sick walk by me, they get healed because I've yielded myself to God in such a way that they have no choice. I imagine Miss Rhonda, if you've ever been to Bricktown, Miss Rhonda chases people. <laughs> They'll be walking away, and she's like, I'll walk with you. It's fine. But I imagine not only that person she's talking to getting free, but everyone she passes because she's developed that relationship with the Lord and Nakia singing. And as she's singing, miracles break out. And so I want to encourage you that the Bible isn't just stories. It's things that can happen in us today as long as we apply faith and we don't stay in hope. And that's all I have to say. <laughs> Amen. That was awesome, Ayla. That was awesome. Yes. That's all, guys. Um, praise the Lord. It's It's been a great day today. And... Um, I just want to remind the ladies that we have Pink Impact this week, uh, Thursday and Friday, starting at 7 on Thursday, and then Friday, I think, at 9. Um, I think we break, like, at 11.45, we come back at 2, then we break again at 4.15, and then we come back at 7. So 
we're going to have some time where we get to go have um, some fellowship, eat some lunch, do stuff like that. So it'd be great. Um, remember that we have intercessory prayer on Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. It's Facebook Live. If you have my, more questions, you guys can see either Miss Rhonda or Gabriel. Gabriel. I'm not, not Gabriel. Gabby. Um, and or Carolyn. They, they have that information. So, um, And then we have church on Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Ziggy will be back hopefully either Thursday or Friday. But next Sunday, we have friends and family. It'll be a lot of fr- fun. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. One of those... One of those weeks for me. But um, friends and family, if you haven't signed up to bring something, you can get on CCB and you guys can do it there. Or on the website, you guys can sign up to bring something there. Um, And I think that's all the announcements I have for this week, right? Outreach Friday. Um, And I think that's all. So, you guys, yes, absolutely. So, uh, this week for Outreach, we're going to Baptist, which, of course, the women are going to be here. If you are a man, which you should know... If you are a man, um, definitely join us. I'm going to call out Michael Salazar. He said he's going to come to the hospital probably like a year ago, and he has not come up not a single time. So this would be a good opportunity this week, Friday, 7 o'clock, Baptist. If you're a man, join me. I'll be there. I think Joe's going to be there too. No? Yeah, Don's going to be there too. Um, but we definitely would love for you guys to come. It's going to be awesome. We're Like Ava mentioned, we're believing God. We see some awesome things happen. Um, you go to minister and you walk away challenged every single week. Um, so definitely join us. It will be awesome. Amen. Seven o'clock, Baptist in the chapel. Yes. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, if you guys will just, um, in prayer request for um, my daughter, Michael, and Isaiah, uh, they are both sick. Uh, Isaiah's got a fever, 103. It's not coming down. So if you guys would just keep them in prayer this week, I'm going to probably leave here and see if I can go assist. I'm going to mother-in-law to the rescue um, because his his parents are in Bixby, um, Oklahoma, so mama's going to go take care of my babies today. So if you guys would just, you know, lift them up in prayer today. Um, so if you guys will stand to your feet, we'll say a prayer. Dismiss. If you guys need anything, reach out. And um, we love you guys and continue to pray for Ziggy as he's gone this week. Springfield with uh, Miguel Ten, um, believing God to do some some awesome things over there. So, Lord, we come before you in the name of Jesus, God, and I just thank you for your presence today, Lord, and for your word, God, for giving us a, a better understanding of faith, God. And I thank you for Ayla, Lord, and I pray your blessing upon her. And, Lord, I pray your blessing upon each and every one of us as we leave this day and um, this building, Lord, and watch over us this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good day uh, today, guys. Amen.